With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. The last preseason game has finished. I've completed the opening soundtrack without ballsing it up. I'm on cloud nine. Matt, pinch me. Is this real? It's real. We're back. And I'm not just talking about the AOP. I'm not just talking about the new season. I'm talking about Arsenal. Arsenal, we're back. We're back. It's been a while. We were talking about it earlier. I don't think I've been as excited about an Arsenal team since the Fabregas, Nasri, Ashavin, Van Persie team. Uh, Pretty much ten years ago, uh, this is this is this is this is really building now, and I can't wait for the season to start on Friday. Matt, it's not normal to smash Sevilla six nil, six nil. I mean, that's that that is a mauling. That's that's a you know that happens to you as a manager in preseason. You should be should expect to get fired. This is this is a munchy team. Yeah, this is, we, a, this is one of the best teams in Spain, and we've just absolutely ripped them apart. They had no answers. What's going I think on in the last two weeks? Chelsea, Seville, we're just putting teams in crisis. That's what we're doing. Uh, you know, th- these are this is not what we want to happen. It's not part of the plan for any team to go and get thrashed the way we're thrashing people. So, um, yeah, there's just a real energy and excitement around what we're doing, and we just got to keep it going on into the new season, right? Yeah, I mean, like, and the crazy thing about the six is it could have been more. We had 12 shots on target, 21 attempts at goal. This is like the good old days. Remember when Arsene Wenger sides, we used to go up to play Derby and we'd absolutely pelt them for 90 minutes. Uh, relentless, the press was impressive. I mean, my word, everything is coming together right now. Um, I wonder whether we should just lean straight into the hottest of takes, Matt. Tell us what's hot. Well, well uh, me and Johnny were doing the before the whistle yesterday and we said, um, what would success be like? Uh, we said, you know, a win would be great. Just just get a win. Um, we also wanted to see 
a bit of Tomiyasu, a bit of Smith Rowe, a bit of Tierney to see if see if if they were still alive. Uh, so yeah, half of half of the objective was achieved. What with an absolutely sparkling win. I couldn't believe it when we were four 0 up inside twenty five odd minutes. It was unbelievable uh, to go and watch that. Some of the football was devastating. And we, to be honest, we took our foot off the gas in the second half, which we had every right to do. Leave something in the tank. Uh, but uh, the highest of takes is Arsenal are back, you know, from top to bottom. And one of the most exciting things for me is I call them a front four rather than a front three. Odegaard, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. It looks electric and it just takes me back to last November when we were watching us lose to Everton and United and really lacked any attacking coherency. No one can say we don't have attacking coherency now. Our attack looks razor sharp and I just want to see what we can deliver in the opening few games of the season now with that team. Yeah, my uh, my hot take is more what the other teams in the Premier League should expect this season. We are going to be a difficult, difficult side to play against. There, there, aren't, there aren't many weaknesses. You, you can't press us because everybody can play around the press. I mean, adding Zinchenko and Saliba to the back five um, is, is just massive for us. It changes the way that we operate. Um, Thomas Partey looks absolutely electric. Um, Granite Jacker, I mean, my word. Everyone was like, oh, you know, this system would spit him out. Now he has to play more advanced. Mate, no chance. He's had quite a few assists in preseason. Looks a different player. And then um, from an attack perspective, I mean, the most impressive thing that I've been getting in my uh, DMs is we're pressing. We are pressing like like animals. Uh, it's intelligent. We're setting traps out on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> to get the ball back, like this is this is city light. This is proper city light. This isn't like uh, you know sticking a Stone Island badge on your on your next T-shirt. This is city light. This is a very young side. Like the the the, the sky's the limit this season. We've got to get the three points uh, on Friday. But I tell you what, Crystal Palace and their defense are going to have to be very very brave and very on point. Uh, to play around us uh, on Friday, so I'm 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 feeling good. Um, it was lovely to hear the noise in the stadium. Arsenal fans sensed last season something special was brewing very very early. Now the doubters outside of Arsenal that were like, you know, Comeboy Arteta doesn't look like a Comeboy anymore. He looks like a man. He looks like a proper manager. So um, I'm excited. There's loads of hot topics to race through. Um, but I, I actually wanted to start. I haven't um, got the banner, but I'm going to write in now. I, I thought you wrote a really good tweet um, uh, before the game. It was, you know, the worst kept secret in football. Martin Erdegaard is our new captain. Um, a few people say, you know, there, were, there was a journalist. Um, I think it was Sam Dean, um, top journalist. I really like him. I think he says something about the politeness and you had a few words on um, what you thought about it. So, like, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Martin Erdegaard being the captain and what makes this different. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there's there's a lot to dig into around the captaincy issue. It's been really loaded with Arsenal for many years. Um, you know, our captains have tended to not do very well uh, or leave. Um, and it's been used as sort of a bit of a, some bait to keep people interested and at the club. 
So, um, and then obviously everything with the five captains, it was just an absolute joke. Uh, then we had the, the, the Xhaka stuff um, that, that, that didn't go down all that well. So I'm really pleased to see us going back to one captain. I think that's, that's, that's really important. I'm really pleased to see us not just giving it to our best player, um, but actually thinking about who has the leadership skills and can act as that conduit between the coach and the players. And I think in Martin Odegaard, we've made absolutely the right decision because he's young. Um, he's, the, he's, he's clearly captain material. He's the captain of his national team at a very early age. He's clearly got the respect of Mikel Arteta. The tweet you're referring to was Sam Dean, uh, the football reporter, talking about how he's wonderful from a comms perspective and is very nice and polite. And yeah, I'm sure from the outside he can look a bit like that because he looks, he looks like the sort of young man that you would want your, your daughter to date. But I think that the thing about Martin Odegaard is he has a real intensity to him. This is a guy who was playing at Real Madrid at 16 years old and frankly got spat out by the brutality of, of the football system. It didn't work out for him there. But he's still young enough to put it right. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think he wants to be one of the most elite players. And I think he brings that winning mentality uh, and that captain sensibility to us and I, I like talking about inflection moments and I think it's if if I feel like we're, we're, we're at the start of a new chapter with this season and I love the idea of having a new captain to take us through and when you think about someone like a Jordan Henderson who's been Liverpool's captain I see Erdegaard as, as very much in a similar mold from a personality standpoint to a Jordan Henderson someone who can um, who can lead, who can be calm, who can build relationships with the press, but also uh, uh, referees. I think he's got the respect of his teammates for what he's done and what he's going to do. So I think it was absolutely the right decision. And I look forward to him being in that role for five, six years, rather than thinking, okay, maybe that'll keep him at the club for another season. Maybe that's what he needed to convince him that, uh, we love it. This isn't about what uh, the player needs. It's about what the team needs. And I think it's that, that flip that is why I'm really excited about this. Love all of that. Um, yeah, thinking, I, I, wrote a, I wrote a tweet the other week about why the, the captaincy for Erdegaard was unique. Because, and like you say, it's not a bribe. And it was a bribe for Thierry Sesk and Robin Van Persie. It's not based on, you know, seniority or status. Aubameyang. Um, he's not injury prone. Galas, Permer, Saka, Thomas Van Marlem. It wasn't predicated on a vote. Jacka, And he's he's not too old for it. Mikel Arteta. I mean, he basically sat on the bench when he was made um, captain towards the end of the season. I think that this is such a good decision. You know he's going to be playing. He's got uh, robust fitness. Um, speaks a whole bunch of languages. Um, and he's just a role model. You know, people, we got into this sort of phase where people were saying, you know, captains shouldn't be a role model. I think a captain should be a role model at a club like Arsenal. And we've got a lot of players that could f- fulfill that role. But I think um, Martin Odegaard and is is known for being a great leader, was when he came on loan to Arsenal in a, during a very difficult season last January. Still one of my favourite games was him picking up the, uh, the slack in that West Ham game, driving us forward. And... You know, there was this 
real bullshit statistic that was going around. Like I think Martin Odegaard was the created the second most shots from open play last season. And people saying, yeah, but he didn't create a lot of big chances. Like the big chance statistic, that's reliant on two people. You get more big chances with Harry Kane because of his movement, because of his pace, uh, and because of his quality. When you're when you're pinging balls to Lacazette who can't run, you've got a problem. I think you're going to see a monster, monster of a player this season because he's got runners. We had a we had a right winger like with X factor with special sauce. Um, he's just going to have the pick. Um, he, you know, he's going to be pulling threads all season. So I'm really excited that we've got him. I think we've got an an outrageous talent. And something that you've referenced a few times. Um. The, so here's a bit of entomology. I think that's how you say it. Um, you know the term chip on the shoulder? And this is me exposing myself as being a bit of an idiot. I thought chip on the shoulder was like a greasy chip. You know, like a, a British chop it up, chip shop chip. You know, because no one wants a greasy chip on the shoulder. That apparently is not true. Uh, a chip on the shoulder is from the 19th century in America, where if you wanted to fight somebody, you would put a chip of wood on your shoulder and dare someone to knock it off. I think Arsenal have got a lot of players in their squad with a chip of wood on their shoulder. Um, Jesus today, chip on his shoulder. Uh, Zinchenko, chip on his shoulder because Pep didn't want to start them and he wanted to sign players above them. Uh, Martin Erdegaard, still got that Madrid chip on his shoulder. Loved that club, wanted to play for them, didn't really get an opportunity. Carlo didn't believe in him. Uh, Like William Saliba put out on loan last season, chip on the shoulder. There are a lot of players with those chips on the shoulder. And I, I think that there are like people that have got an axe to grind. There's just a different mentality. They've got well, a point to and prove. I, and I think that it's what modern Arsenal at its best has been built on. If you go back to George Graham and the way that he signed players from the lower leagues, you know, you talked, I remember the podcast uh, that we did with Perry Groves, where he talked about, George Graham looking at the character of him when he was playing in a game and they were 5-0 down or, you know, plucking Dixon and Bold uh, from the lower leagues. But even with Wenger, it was Dennis Bergkamp, you know, chip on his shoulder after Inter Milan, Patrick Vieira from AC Milan, Thierry Henry. You know, they all had something to prove when they came. Carnu had a heart issue. No one would touch him. And we brought them in and they blossomed in our system and I think Arsenal at their best have found those players with something to prove and have used that as fuel and 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 both our paths have aligned we've managed to be the vessel that those players need to reach their full potential and I think when you look at it now we're getting back to the right kind of Arsenal DNA we've got players who have got something to prove and I think they're going to prove it before we go into the next section if you are watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. and You'll always know when we're coming on. Uh, so hit that subscribe, 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 subscribe. And if you're on a podcast, don't just listen. Subscribe again, because we want to make sure we're in your ears all the time. All right, let's move on um, to the, the next section. I thought this was quite a funny comment that you made in the green room, Matt. Double winners. Double winners. Won the Florida Cup and the Emirates Cup. What does this mean about our season? Uh what do you think? What is like how how um when you're looking at preseason, when you lose all your games, they don't mean anything. When you win all the games, they mean everything. Where where are we sitting? Um, finishing our last preseason game, smashing Sevilla six nil. Um, 
do we have a right to believe that something special is brewing or should we just wait until Friday night to see what's going to happen? Look, I think, I think it was actually really important because we had a, had a mixed season last year. I think by the end, we were all convinced that we were on the right track. But you forget that the end of the season was very, very disappointing. Um, that Tottenham result, the Newcastle result was real heads in hand stuff. And it was going to take something pretty special to make sure that we're not starting the season going, if we lose to Palace, it's Arteta out. You know, that's, that was the vibe. You know, what are we doing? There's no progress, all of this sort of stuff. But I think a combination of um, very good communication out of the club, um, I think a very good from the outside transfer window. And then obviously that is solidified by the quality of the preseason not just results, but performances. I think the performances have been really, really good. This hasn't been like, we didn't beat Seville 1-0 today. Beat them 6-0. Uh, Chelsea, we didn't beat them on pens after 0-0. You know, beat them 4-0. Um, and so um, I think, it's, I think it's, it's impossible not to be really, really optimistic. And part of that is, obviously, these cups don't mean anything. But they contribute to the feel-good factor. And you can't help but think, that they help build the camaraderie and the vibes and the team spirit at the training ground because, you know, it just feels like light years from last season. I remember very well you and me talking about Maitland-Niles and how he was being treated by Arteta and how we felt Arteta didn't treat the players right and all of this sort of stuff a year ago. Earlier today, I'm seeing a video with Eddie and Ketia and Arteta playing some game where they're guessing old squad numbers and players. And you can just tell that the spirit and the way that uh, Arteta is interacting with the players is like night and day from last season. And I sort of have a little bit of a hypothesis about it, which is that the Amazon documentary really played a big role in that because no one wants to be on a show where they just come across like an absolute asshole. And I think it may have forced him to readjust some of his man management skills uh, in a very subtle way. But just the vibes are, are so are so strong at the moment. Yeah, the, and everything that I'm hearing, the vibes at the training ground are strong. The training is super intense. Everybody's getting on. The, the big names that we brought into the squad are, are leading. I think everybody is massively impressed with Gabriel Jesus. Uh, you know, we've we've not just signed a top player; we've signed a, a leader and a winner. And just just having that, um, you know, uh, we had a really youthful side last season, and none of them had ever won anything. And having someone in your team that, when the chips are down, talking about chips again, you've you've got somebody that you can look to that's been through it before that won't allow a game to trail off like Newcastle, I think having Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus in the side, even Fabio Vieira's, you know, he's won, he's won a lot of trophies for a, for a 22-year-old. Having that mentality in the squad is, is, is such a, an, like an intangible asset that we, we just didn't have last season for, uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. So I'm, I think the vibes are, are great. And it's just the people, people always think when you sign really big players that other players will be concerned about it you know like last season Erdegaard came in and everyone was concerned what would happen with Smith Rowe it, it lifts people you know you want to go to war with 
battle-ready players. And I think that we've got a really, really, really strong squad um, this season. So although the, the preseason doesn't really mean anything, I think having a really uh, top-to-bottom great preseason goes a long way because we haven't had one in a long time. And I'm not just talking performances on the pitch. Like the, like you said earlier, the, the PR, the way that we're communicating, the, the speed of which we've got our business done. I mean, I don't think we've got business done this far since we signed uh, Thomas Podolsky. He was like a really early signing. Felt like we were moving on business then. I, but then maybe we didn't do anything for the rest of the window. To have so many like important names in the squad allows us this. It allows us this privilege. We just beat Sevilla 6-0. We didn't have Tommy Asu. We didn't have Kieran Tierney. And we didn't have Smith Rowe. This time last season, if we didn't have those three players, it is a fucking disaster. Is Thomas Podolsky Lucas's twin brother? <laughs> is it? Did we sign Thomas Rosicki and Lucas Podolsky in the same window? Is that? You don't think so? All right, there's I no way like, around that. I, just, I was just sat there going, Thomas, Thomas Podolsky. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I agree, and you know. We're just getting rid of our reliance on certain players. You know, even the idea of being without t- the idea last season of being starting the season without our fullbacks. Well, we saw what happened because we played the end of the season without them. So we had Cedric and Tavares, and it was—I mean, it was—it was a nightmare, frankly. Like neither of them are terrible, but this season we're starting with Ben White at right back and Sinchenko at left back. And you, you feel like that's good enough to get us through, you know, until Tomiyasu's uh, fit because we've got Saliva now in the middle and, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll wax lyrical well, about him. We, 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 I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that, on that bloke, I tell you. Uh, let's move on to the next section uh, because there's a few people that are paying attention to what goes on in these podcasts. Uh, Chicago Guna, LeGrove, will you at least admit you were wrong in your assessment of Jesus? You were dragging him last year. Oh, yes, I will. I will eat all the humble pie. No, here's the great thing about me being really, really wrong on Gabriel Jesus. It doesn't matter because I win. I win. If he was terrible, I would win. If he scores 25 goals this season, I win because at core, I am an Arsenal fan. And being wrong on a player and their talent doesn't matter if they're scoring 20 goals because I'm an Arsenal fan. My opinion is not to be right all the time. It's never going to be right. Gabriel Jesus, uh, I, I, I pushed for the, the tall boy summer. I was wrong. It's about short kings. Gabby Jesus is our short king. He has been immense. And uh, yeah, so I, I will eat all the humble pie on Gabriel Jesus because uh, we, we need a player like him. So they were comparing him to Ian Wright. You got like some people are like, is he Ian Wright? Is he Robin Van Persie? Like, is he Anelka? Like, what, what is he? Like, he's a, he's a bit of everything to everybody. And um, so let's talk about Gabriel Jesus. Probably yeah. it's looking like it could be one of the greatest signings of the decade. Uh, he's been immense in preseason. Matt, what have we got here? What, what's this ball of magic on the pitch? Well, listen, we, we were all like, you know, why is City getting rid of him? Um, are we getting City cast-offs? Um, those were the sort of the real the real factors that were sort of holding us back. Pep knows football. If he's prepared to let this guy go, what's what's behind that? All of those sorts of things. Well, we're being proven wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong because 
he looks absolutely fucking majestic. Um, he's banging goals. He adds so much. His movement is beyond belief. He presses from the front. The biggest thing for me, though, is he looks, and this may be me like an Arsenal bias, but to me, he looks happier than I've ever seen him. Because I, I never really thought about Gabriel Jesus as someone who was always smiling. But he just seems really, really, really happy at Arsenal. He's the main man. Um, he wants to show what he can do. I think he's, he is probably surprised at how many great players there are around him. Um, I think he's going to strike up incredible partnerships, especially with Martinelli. I think you're already seeing that. I think the Brazilian connection is 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 really working. That and, little diagonal ball. Oh, and um, and yeah, I'm 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 just so excited and to get a hat trick and stay fit a week before the season. Yeah, the only worry now is just keep him fit, wrap him in cotton wool because this guy is going to score bucket loads of goals, bucket loads. He, I, I think. 20 plus Premier League goals is on the cards. And if you think about, <laughs> I think someone said he equaled Lacazette's number of open play goals in uh, 25 seconds today. <laughs> He's just unstoppable. So, the, yeah. the, the interesting thing uh, about Gabriel Jesus is what, what he brings out in other players. I think Arsblog said it's, uh, it's wild to have a player that can connect the play like Lacazette, but then join the attack. He's like the, the, his physical capabilities. Um, I underestimate them. I will, I'll keep on saying it. He's, he's, he's like, he's like watching Luis Suarez. He's all over the place. He's got incredibly tight control. That ability to stand with the ball and explode forward. is such a, it's such a rare skill and such a rare talent, but he, you know, he, he could be a, he could be a number 10. He can play as a, as a nine, he can go out wide, uh, like he, he really has it all. The only thing he doesn't have is is height. But I don't I don't think it's necessary if you are if you have that innate ability to know where the ball's going to land. I mean, like the, the the final goal that he scored today, where he's just sniffing out danger in the box, and then he's on it. Like he's so quick, he's so quick. And uh, you know, we haven't even seen Fabio Vieira in the side yet. But I feel like all of these sort of tricky players are built for the movement of Gabby Jesus. And the, you know, the final hope that I have with him is it's like, you know, let's not forget Eddie Nketiah this season. You know, Eddie Nketiah is here to play. He looks ready, scored another goal today. Um, <clears throat> I hope that Eddie gets more 20 minutes in games. Like, the, like Arteta's got to manage his squad better this season. If we're winning 3-0, give Eddie 30 minutes. You don't need to play Gabriel Jesus for the full 90s. Like, let's make sure that um, we don't overextend him in the front half of the season. And then during our chick tricky fixtures in January and February, we don't have him. So it's like, uh, maybe we're over-egging the, the fear factor on injury, but it is worth noting. Gabriel Jesus is not a 60-game-a-season player, generally. You know, he's like minutes here and there. You know, he's coming off the bench. Like I just hope that we ease him into being the main man and lean on um, Eddie and Ketia. Don't wait until there's an injury to to bring him into the side this season. Yeah, totally. It's great to see Eddie get the goal. I thought really, really, really pleased for him. I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with with everything. We just got to like start the season and, and see what he can do. But I think 
you don't. It's easy to underestimate. Obviously, Manchester City are probably the best team in the world, pound for pound. Yeah. But I think that playing at the Emirates is. I think Arsenal are a bigger club than City, like in an, un, in an unbiased point of view. I think playing at the Emirates every week is going to be a more enjoyable experience than playing uh, uh, the Etihad uh, week in week out. I think the love he's going to get from the fans here is going to surpass anything he got from. Uh, City, I think his role is clearer than it is than it than it was at City. Obviously, getting paid more money than he was at City, so it's all set up for him to make this his home. And it's easy to go, oh well, why would anyone want to leave City? It's like, well, you know, it's not that City are not a Manchester United, a Liverpool, an Arsenal, a Real Madrid, a Barcelona. They're not one of those clubs. They're, they're a brilliant club that. Have, have done very well at spending a lot of a lot of money of their owners essentially but in terms of walking out at one of the best stadiums in one of the greatest cities I think we underestimate the pull of that and I think our t- uh, Edu especially has done a brilliant job of of getting getting him and Arteta as well yeah be, being the man on the streets of London is better than being the man in Manchester like you know, Man- Manchester uh, Manchester City aren't even the biggest club in their own city. Uh, you know they have to they have to try and sell tickets during the season. They don't get sellouts. Pep Guardiola has to say it would be really nice if everybody turned up for a for a game where we might win the league. You know, I I, I think that I, I think you're totally right. Oh, and, and there's one more, there's there's one more point as well, which is uh, Richarlison. Or Jesus, I cannot believe. Imagine being the team that signed Richarlison when your big rivals signed Gabriel Jesus. Richarlison is not even fit to lace Jesus's foot, uh, his boots. He is he is a poor man's Gabriel Jesus. I'm so excited that we are getting players of this caliber and not players that 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 the, that the scum have got. Basically, yeah, I I totally agree with that. I think Eddie. Is going to score more goals than Richarlison this season, on less minutes, no doubt. But uh, Gabriel Gabriel Jesus is an immense signing. I think it could be an iconic signing, like a t- like a tipping point signing, like Dennis Burkamp. I really, I really do. Twenty five years old. Well, it also it's also it's. I think we're showing that having a little bit of patience, and obviously I was impatient in January, but to get. Jesus for 45 million when Vlahovic was what 68. So, you yeah. know, to get a full 25 million less, uh, who's but there's no way Vlahovic is scoring more goals than Gabriel Jesus next season. It's just, it's just not happening. Uh, they could be similar, but I think you know, it's just, it's just a fantastic deal in terms of the amount of money we paid as well. And we need to give the club credit for. For that one, and the Erdegaard one as well, because we were talking about him before, the money that we're paying for the for the quality of players we're getting feels really sharp. We need to get better at selling, but like the buying now, and I like the way actually, with a bit of hindsight, we walked away from the Lisandro Martinez deal when when it didn't work for us financially, because the old Arsenal walk away from the Martinez deal and then don't sign anyone. Whereas what we did is we went in, we had a plan B, we got Zinchenko, the money was right, the player was right, happy days. No one at Arsenal is talking, no fan is talking about Lisandro Martinez now. And I think no fan is talking about 
Vlahovic, who frankly dominated five months of conversation because we were so desperate for a striker. The, yeah, the interesting thing about uh, Lissandro Martinez is like, listen, he's obviously a top player. I know everyone's taken the piss out of how tall he is. He wouldn't have played. I think he'll play centre back for United. He would have played left back for Arsenal. But the when you, at the end of the season, do you think we'll look back and regret Zinchenko? Do you think do, will will Lissandro Martinez look like a player that costs thirty five million more? I don't think so. I, I, yeah. I think I, I, I'm happier having a player that already does it in the league. You know. Yeah, and I think, um, and I, and I think the other thing is looking, and this is jumping around a bit, but looking at Martinelli and the way he's starting the season, he may have his performances may save us fifty million in a new winger. Uh, they really, they, they really might, because I don't see the same urgency about signing a really great uh, winger as as I did, you know, three four weeks ago, just by the quality of his form. I think Martinelli is gonna. He could he could be starting every single game for us this season. I still think I still would be more comfortable. Uh, like let's get Nicolas Pepe out of the club and let's get a top top quality winger in that that has a history of showing up and creating those special source moments. Um, I think that 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 would be the cherry on top. And I, I still think that, you know our midfield does need a Tielemans. Just just get him in. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's move on to the next topic that everybody was talking about. Arsenal and a press. I think uh, people started to fade on Arteta um, early on in his career. They were like, he doesn't know how to coach a press. I think that that has now looked very mis- misguided. As misguided as me saying that Gabriel Jesus wasn't the man for us. Um, Arteta's got his players now. And he's got the culture right. He's got the attitude right. Everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. And Arsenal's press looks frightening. It looks absolutely frightening. Um, Matt, we've seen it before with uh, previous managers where a press starts in September and then by October, it's finished. Do you think Mikel Arteta is going to play this aggressive press throughout the season? Um, or is this is this a mirage? What do you think? Well, I think, I think the thing about a press is when it's good, it's very, very good. And when it's bad, it's very, very bad. So... I think we want to play this press all the time, like Liverpool and Man City do, right? They, they, they press every team, full stop. Um, I think we're going to look to do it as much as we can at home um, and against certain teams. I think it's a dangerous game to go in and play this like really extremely high press away from home from minute one against teams because you can easily get into a situation where you go a goal down or two goals down early and the games and the games lost and even Manchester City have those moments I'm thinking about that West Ham game towards the end of last season where you know playing a very dominant front foot high press going to win the game 2-0 down at half time now Manchester City were able to uh put it back and I think get get a point um but or maybe even win I can't remember what it was but the point is it's 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 a high risk strategy, and so I think it's great that we've got it in our locker. I think it's great that we're going to use it, um, but we need to just think about uh, when 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 we when we apply it. Um, but obviously, we, like you said, we have seen those moments where we've started off pressing and then have fallen away. So 
it bodes well that pre the, the high press has been the feature of preseason. And I do think that the players we've got in, Saliba, Sinchenko, they're all high pressers. Um, it goes back to a few years ago when I think it's Klopp or Guardiola or De Bruyne said, oh yeah, Martinelli's the only Arsenal player who ever presses. No, no one else will press. So, you know, we're, we're changing that again. So, yeah, I, it's great to see, right? Yeah, I like that it's intelligent as well. It's not just running around. It's closing off those spaces. I mean, um, like one of the features in Arteta's first season were, were, you know, his first full season was teams couldn't get at us. Like we didn't really give away a lot of shots. I think last season we didn't do as well. But, we're, you know, gem- generally we are difficult to create chances against. Um, Sevilla had five attempts at goal, one on target today. I hope that the feature of not allowing too many shots off at Aaron Ramsdale's goal is something that we carry through um, this season. And that all starts with having everybody on the pitch, knowing where to be, knowing when to press, knowing what angles to press. Like if you can make it really difficult or if you can make it really difficult for a defender to play through uh, the lines and make it so the pass has to be extremely accurate, that's a high stress situation. That's the, that's the situation that I'm hoping Palace's defenders are going to struggle with because they're, they're not going to have the level um, that we have of, when it comes to technical ability. And if they don't start well against us, it's going to be a miserable afternoon for their defence because I think we're just going to be hoovering up balls all afternoon. Um, so I'm, I'm really encouraged by, uh, by the press. And it just, just goes to show you, it's like all it takes is one or two players that don't want to do that press and the whole thing collapses so you you literally got to have a squad of 22 players that are just going to go to bat for it. I also think it's, even today, you do see moments with any high press where you end up in like 2v2s at the back. 2v2s, 2v3s. And what you really need in those instances is good, one to, good one-on-one defenders. And, you know, for so many years, we've had very, very poor one-to-one defenders. We've been very susceptible to a ball over the top. We've been very susceptible to rash defending. Saliba, in my opinion, is absolutely built for this system because, you know, 1v1, you're not that worried. You you still think he's got enough to mop it up because he's just got such pace, so calm, so good on the ball. My hero, basically. Like, what what did Johnny do to you on the Patreon podcast last night? What have you two been chatting about? Your hero. You want him on your shirt, right? I do. I do. Well, some people are saying that Arsenal will refund you, will give you a new shirt if the number changes. So actually, it's not a bad idea to get number 12 now and then get a new shirt with number two on it in two months' time. Um, Uh, Before we get into William Saliba, and we're going to come back to that one, uh, we don't... We don't normally flog things on uh, on this YouTube, but uh, I, there's a there's a website that I that I, that I love. Uh, it's called Art of Football, and they have amazing merch. They're like they're they're very cool. They're they're, they're the type of like creatives that intimidate you a little bit because they're so fashionable and youthful. Uh, they've they've got some of these shirts. I think they've uh, Adidas are letting them sell these. Um, it's limited batch. Johnny, uh, the one and only Johnny, uh, modeling there 
I don't know. I don't know. He's got very his, drippy. <laughs> very drippy. He's uh he's on brand with the sandals. Uh, <laughs> and if you go to artoffootball.com and use the code LG10, you will get a discount on the shirt, and you can have uh, bruised banana high fashion. So uh, so jump on that link, get a shirt, and maybe you could look as cool as Johnny Matt Candela. You've got one. Uh, that's gone to your your mother's house. It's, it's, well. it's, it's waiting for me in London. I am going to be at the first game of the season at the Emirates against Leicester City, wearing that. Hopefully, it's sunny because otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna look like a soggy banana. Um, <laughs> but I, I can't I can't I can't wait. Okay, let's. I don't uh, know if I can put it off like Johnny though. He does look good in it. He was wearing Johnny it yesterday on the pod. He's got a lot of drip. He's got a lot of drip. Um, on the pod, which is, uh, if you go to, if you want to sign up to our Patreon, we're putting the Before the Whistles on Patreon this season. You go to patreon.com, you type the Arsenal opinion in, uh, and then you just tell us what you want to pay, and then we'll give you exclusive content throughout the season. It is worth it. It's value for money. Uh, I was listening to the podcast yesterday. I thought it was great. It was, and I'm paying. I'm paying into the fund because uh, I love it so much. But let's get back onto football stuff. William Saliba. I mean, Johnny's been campaigning for him. The Saliba ultras have been banging the table. This is the man. This is a generational talent. This is the 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 second coming of Virgil Van Dyke. And I had my doubts. Not big doubts. I thought he'd be good. I think he looks ready. And I think that Ben White don't get comfortable with that right back position, my man, because I think William Saliba's coming for your coming for your place. He looked brilliant today. He's calm on the ball, very nimble for a big man, great on one-on-ones, uh, brave with his passing, uh, and he's huge. He is he is <laughs> he's built for the Premier League. Uh, Matt, are, are, are we going too far with this? Is it too early to tell what we've got with William Saliba or what the four and a half thousand minutes last season enough to say? We have the best young centre back in the, in the world. world. In the world, yeah. I, uh, I think it's all coming together, and I think he's just such a huge addition and a big part of the feel-good factor. Because make no mistake, he's it, he's like signing a 60, 70 million pound centre half this summer, and we made that signing a few years ago uh, for a lot of money. Then I think twenty eight million or something, but. He is like a new signing for us. It's just so good to have him back. He's coming to compete. I think Arteta is surprised about how good he is. Um, and He will be, be centre-back first game of the season. Yeah, and he is so dominant. Um, and he will make mistakes. Like, let's, let's, sure. the, guy, the guy's young and he's not perfect, but he's got everything. He's huge. He's fast. He's, but most importantly, he's calm. You know, centre-halves can... Can, can 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 they're not always the calmest just look at rob holding you know rob holding a decent center half but it doesn't make you feel relaxed i think i saw someone say on twitter i just want to instead of meditating i'm just going to look at, at saliba because he makes me feel so so calm and uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm so excited to have him at the club and now we've got like a really some really good squad depth and once we've got Tomoyasu back, it's going to be really, really competitive um, at the back, which is which is good. What do you what do you think uh, 
I, like so, w- William Saliba. I, I can't say enough nice things about him. I've gone on about him for weeks. I think he's going to be a problem uh, for Arteta this season. But there's plenty of games to go around. You know, if we have a good, if we have good cup runs, there could be 60 games up for grabs this season. So there'll be a lot of minutes for him to develop. And uh, all the big clubs rotate their centre backs. Man City rotate their centre backs. Like we can, we can rotate and we can give them enough game time to to feel good about where they are. I did wonder about um, Ben White, a right back. Uh, there were a few little errors that he made today. He's not playing against top class. Uh, wingers, he's got a deal with Zaha on Friday. Zaha is a bully. Uh, he's powerful. He's horrible. Um, he'll be in his ear all game. And again, Zaha has always had a chip on his shoulder because of uh, you know he's at Palace and he wasn't allowed to go. What do you think about Ben White at right back? And then the second part of the question, Cedric seems to be front and centre on all of our videos. He seems to be like a very fun character to have around the squad. Is he going to stay if Ben White starts at right back? Like, what's, what's the deal there? So, Ben White performance and Saha. Yeah. Well, look, I think we've, we've you've got to have four centre halves. And I think we've got four. We've got Ben White, we've got Saliba, uh, we've got Gabriel, we've got Rob Holding. And then you've got to have two right backs. And I think at the moment, that's Tommy Asu and Cedric. Ben White. Can, is obviously much better than Cedric as a player and can play that right-back role. I think he's going to get us through the first 10 games or whatever until Tommy Yasu is up to speed. I think Tommy Yasu is back in training, um, is, is what yeah. I heard. Yeah, so, he just won't be match fit. So he won't be match fit, but I think... So I think he, he Ben White is going to be enough to get us through to get Tommy Yasu back. I am not confident that Tommy Yasu is going to play more than 20 games at right back this season. Um, and in which case, we do need another right back, in my opinion. I think I think White will... He can do enough, but I don't think we want him to play 35, 40 games because that's going to mean that there's too much pressure on Saliba and Gabriel, that they're not going to get a rest or a breather. They're going to be playing nearly all the games because Rob Holding, frankly, you can't put him in the first team for any game that you really, really, really have to win because he's capable of doing what he did against Spurs, frankly. Um, so he's great to come in and be a closer, you know, 5-3-2. We've all seen him do that. And, but I think that's, that's all we want from, from, from Rob Holding. So he's going to have a tough game against Palace. I think I'm sure that Arteta is going to be mitigating against that. He's going to know it's coming. I certainly feel a lot more confident knowing that Saliba's there. I think Saliba's exactly the kind of centre-half that you want because he's just so big, fast. So um, I think we've got enough for Zaha. Like, let's be honest, Zaha is a, is a very, very good player, but he's one rung down from the very top. So I think we'll be, we'll be fine for the beginning, but we've got to get Tommy Yassi fit. Yeah, I don't think Tommy Yassi's injury is, is that serious. Uh, he's got to be managed really well this season. I do feel... I do feel more comfortable having Ben White slotting in than Cedric. Cedric can do an okay job. Don't think he's the guy. If he could, if we could ship him out on loan, I'm sure we would. And th- but the exciting thing about that that back five, um, they can they can all pick out a ball from 60 yards. Zinchenko was doing it today, picking out those long balls. 
uh, the Arsenal TV people kept on putting replays on when we were on counter attacks. So you've got uh, like you, all all five in your in your back five can ping long balls from sixty yards. All of them can run with the ball at their feet. Saliba is great at carrying the ball through the lines. Ben White is great at carrying the ball, um, and they can all defend. They're all they're all good defenders. I mean that, and it's still you know the oldest person in that defense is twenty five. I mean, that's incredible. Defender, def- top defenders don't peak until their late 30s. Not sorry, the late 30s, their late 20s. I mean, Marcelo was still going um, in his early 30s. So there is a lot of upside to this defense that we're building. But the great thing about them is, you know, sometimes you get defense, it's like very flair, but they can't defend. Or they can defend, but they're not very good at playing the ball between the lines or, or building play. I feel like we've got a nice blend of both and you don't know where the ceiling is. That's the amazing thing. You don't know where the ceiling is. And look, we've had to deal with some pretty... Remember David Luiz? You know, bless him. Not a bad guy. But dealing with those types of errors and penalty giveaways every week, I just feel like we've got a much more solid, disciplined unit that can play a system of football that, yeah, it's, it really bodes well for the season. There's a, a Cameron in the comments suggesting that Big Gabby yeah. is going to drop out when he comes back in. Listen, Cameron, I think when Big Gabby, when those when those new follicles sprout, you're going to see <laughs> a different player. His confidence is going to go up. People are going to be saying, hey, great hair, Gabby, in the supermarket. And I think we're going to see a, a, a different side of the player. But it's a good shout because... Uh, Big Gabby had some problems towards the end of last season and he's been a little bit inconsistent, but I still love him. Um, and it's just great to... It's great that you don't know who's going to drop out because last season, you knew who was dropping out when you had a fully fit uh, group of players. So I think that that's... Uh, I, th- I think we're, we're in for a good good season with the defenders. Uh, Matt, let's talk uh, quickly about... Uh, you mentioned it at the top of the show. I think we've done all of the players, uh, not the press... Uh, feel good factor is back at Arsenal. Um, fans are buzzing, players look like they're buzzing, everything feels good. And you know, you've been a supporter of Arsenal for your entire life. Uh, you've got a memory like an elephant. <laughs> can you can can you remember many preseasons that have felt this good and not delivered? Look, I think the one this really reminds me of was the uh, was this reminds me of that team with uh, Ashavin, Nasri, Fabregas, Van Persie. Uh, the season where we actually could have won the league that year. We beat Barcelona at home. Uh, that was the last time it felt like we had a really coherent, cohesive unit who were going to go on and challenge for, you know, the, the, big, uh, the big trophies. You know, the real challenge that we've got is we've just got Manchester City and Liverpool are just so good. If they weren't so good, I'd, I'd say, look, there's nothing to stop us having a title challenge this year in some shape or form. But I think we already know that those two teams are still a way ahead of us and we still need, we're still a, a big summer transfer window, like the one we've just had another £150 million transfer window away from being able to give them a run for their money with us on the ascendancy and then maybe in the midst of like a mini rebuild which is sort of happening as they move away from the sort of Salah, Mane, Firmino and, and that sort of stuff. But 
I do have a lot of hope because I think um, we do have a couple of things up our sleeve that I think those two clubs don't have. And one of them is that nucleus of players who has come through as from the academy, who are Arsenal born and bred. I think that does make a difference. You know, the fact that we've got Eddie, uh, Smith Rowe, Saka, I think I think that's that's really positive, and I think there could be could be another player in, in maybe Patino in a year or two who could be adding to that list. So um, there's a lot to there's a lot to feel good about. I agree. I agree. I'm just I, I'm, I'm just happy that all of the the negativity that was following us around last season, all of the doubt about whether Arteta could kick it up a level, whether our transfer deals were moving the needle um, and whether the plan to go with a youthful group of players was the best strategy to get back to the top. And for me, the strategy is brilliant. There's no, there is no other way to get back to the top unless you spend a billion. And I think Todd Bowley is going to find out how difficult it is to maintain a top level club in this league without a a, a strategy to work to. So I'm I think the feel good factor it, the, the hope that we're feeling right now is underpinned by truth, I think. And if you look at last season, 69 points without the technical players that we needed was an achievement. Yes, it was painful, but 69 points was enough to get top four for the last the two seasons prior. This season, my big hope was that we'd add an extra 10 points. We just need an extra 10 points. Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko is the extra 10 points. You know, like there, there is, there, there's only one player that drops out of the side and you've got problems and that's Thomas Partey. Um, I don't think that we've solved for that really. Um, I don't think Tielemans comes in and does the same job as Thomas Partey. But at the same time, it's like, how much do you have to spend to get a replacement for Thomas Partey? Thomas Partey is a 50 game a season player. Like you you go youthful and then you get the Sambi Conga problem. You go more experienced you get, you know, no one's no one's going to be better than Thomas Party throughout season. So I, I think that that's the only real weakness in the squad. Um, and hopefully he has a good run this year. Um, and we rotate him in Europa League games and we wrap him in cotton wool. But other than that, this is the strongest squad we've had in a while. It's the most hope we've had in a while. And I'm excited. But there are some jobs to be done this week, Matt. This will be our final piece before we bow out. Um, one week to go. Less. Uh you know, we're, we're playing on Friday, six days. What jobs would you like to see get done this week? My dream. Um, I thought I thought it was a good comment about Benny from Benny DeVito saying, can we talk about Emil Smith-Rowe? I think it's not... I don't think it's going to be another Jack Wilshere because Jack Wilshere basically got overplayed <laughs> and broke down. Yeah. One thing we can definitely say about Emil Smith-Rowe is he hasn't been overplayed. Um, but we do, are getting, we do have question marks around his fitness. So I want to see him... Uh, Tomiyasu and Tierney back in training and I, I hope there's a fitness plan for Smith Rowe so he can um, really contribute this season because you know we can't have players going backwards and he set a high bar with 10 or 11 Premier League goals last season so we're going to need at least 10 Premier League goals from him again which is no small feat you know it's way more than Martinelli got last year he had end products so we need to make sure that that's the case but the big thing that I want to see this I want to see I would love to see two contract extensions be made uh, as a little feel-good factor, a little... Three. 
Injections Mart- Martinelli as well, right? Yeah, I'd love to see Saka, Saliba, and Martinelli put yeah. pen to paper before this before the season starts. I don't need any new signings. I'd love another. I'd love more signings, but I don't need them. I think what we need is those contract extensions to be lined up. Because make no mistake, if those get made and announced on Wednesday or Thursday ahead of the season opener against Crystal Palace, with having Saka's future tied up, Saliba looking committed. Honestly, the away end will be in fine voice on Friday night. I uh, yeah, I agree. They they must they must be banking that for well, they're either banking that for Friday, start of the season. Because didn't we do something like that a couple of seasons? We've we've announced uh, player extensions a couple of times. I think Obama Yang, Obama Yang. Yeah. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe they're gearing up. Maybe it's for the home game, but getting those players uh, secure. You want to uh, Arsenal need to create a situation where there isn't that one question. You know, when Arteta first started, it was the Özil question. Then uh, it was Oba's contract was the question. Then it was Oba being benched was the question. We don't want a question this year. Just want everything secured. The only question is about the football, the formations, and who's fit and. Because that's what a you know that's what a settled club has, and we just haven't been a settled club for a very long time. So um, I'm I'm loving the movement here. I hope Saliba gets a, a big pay bump. Um, I hope Saka is treated with the same prestige that um, the Gabriel Jesus is. I mean, like we're not even talking about Saka just popping up getting two goals. It's so expected for someone so young. It's ridiculous. But um, a big season expected from him. He's going to the World Cup. And you forget how these players are improving so much. Saka looks a different player from even a year ago, from even coming back from England duty where he played in the final. You know, he's coming back now. He looks so dangerous. The way he receives the ball and just gets on his bike is unreal. Martinelli looks way more dangerous than last season. So so I think we can expect a lot more. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got genuinely world class coaching, and everyone scoffed when I said that we were hiring in a, a world class coach. But now you're starting to see it, um, and like the play, players really develop between 22 and 25. I mean, remember watching we watched Cesc Fabregas from a very young age, but Wenger always used to say, "Listen, it takes a while to add goals to your game, and then all of a sudden, Cesc is you know double digits for goals and assists." Like we're yet to, I think, I think we've we're still yet to see the next level with a lot of these young players. So it's going to be exciting. And I always remind people, uh, Mo Salah and Sane were, you know, one was in France um, at Saka's age, the other had had only just moved to Switzerland. Like these players are doing it in the Premier League and finishing fifth already. I mean, imagine what's coming in a couple of seasons' time. So I mean, Saka could be Cristiano Ronaldo levels. There's, there's, there's nothing to stop him reaching those heights, in my opinion. Big, I big claim. Big I claim. agree. And it is, you know, just a quick word for Man United. Cristiano Ronaldo's not going anywhere next season. He looks like it, they've lumped him at Manchester United. He can't get a, a role at a Champions League club. And I think that's going to be difficult for Ten Hag. He likes to play a high, a hard-pressing system. And he's got Christian Eriksen and Cristiano Ronaldo in his starting eleven. It's going to be a... Interesting to see how he turns that around. I think he's got a big job on his hand. I'd, I'd say one more thing, which is if we go to Selhurst Park on Friday and we lose, could happen. We've got to stay positive. We're on the right track. Yeah. Something will have gone wrong. Something will need to be fixed. 
but there's no reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're on the right yeah. track here. No catastrophizing this season. And um, if we get a point at uh, Crystal Palace, that is also fine. They've got an incredible home record. A point at Palace is is not end of days. I think we've got... Uh, there, there are... There are eight. We'll do like a an, like a before the whistle where we go into a bit more detail. But we've got um, eight games in phase one of the season. Uh, five of those games land in August. If we can take eleven points from fifteen in August, we will be there or thereabouts at the top of the league. And then the next three games are Everton, United, and Brentford. And you'd hope to get seven points out of that. And if you can go into the first international break. In the top four, in the top three, um, who knows where the season is going to go from there? Because you've got confidence. The team's obviously gelled. Um, you've had some positive moments together. The sun is still shining. Uh, and then first game after the international break, Spurs. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think we might have some unfinished business there. I think we, I think we definitely have. I think we definitely have. But we'll do a, we'll do a bit of a, we'll do a before the whistle for Patreon this week. So make sure that you sign up uh, to get that. Where we'll do a bit of a season preview. Hopefully, we've signed a few additional players. Um, hopefully, we get a few players back uh, to full fitness. Hopefully, there are no uh, niggles in the system, and that we've got a full plethora of players to pick from on game day one, and we'll roll from there. So if you are listening to this podcast. If you are, subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. You don't want to miss anything this season. If you want to sign up to our Patreon, go to patreon.com, the Arsenal opinion. Search it, uh, and you can pick what you want to pay because we know that that inflation stuff is uh, is problematic. Big recession incoming, um, so we're here for you. And uh, Matt, where can people find you on the internet blasting out world-class tweets? You can find me uh, at Matt Candela. I'm going to be uh, not thinking about anything else for the next five days other than Arsenal. Uh, always, a gr- always a great little period. So, um, yeah, we'll be keeping the vibes up and um, getting everyone geared up and ready for Friday night. Brilliant. So if you're listening to the podcast, remember, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave a little comment. That helps us. If you're on Spotify, they also have a star system, and we've got a good amount of stars on there. So get in there and give us a five-star rating. And we will be back in the week uh, with a before the whistle, before the season special on Patreon. And then we will be going, I think we'll be going live on the whistle on Friday night. Uh, So stay tuned. Put that in your diaries. Um, It's going to be a fun season. We're looking forward to spending it with you. I'm going to play out the outro and I'll say ciao for now. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.